that coming through town. So prior to that, we were meeting uh, over at Blaine Christian Fellowship, even before this, uh, this church started, um, it, as a group of guys. And, and uh, Justin's done a really great job of reaching out to, it's not just a CTK Blaine thing. It really is like a community-wide thing. And I'd also say we have prayer already happening here, uh, 6.30 on Wednesdays as well. And it's not men's prayer, it's, it's everybody. And uh, my wife, Bonnie, leads it. And you're welcome to, to come to that as well. So we really feel like prayer is such an important part of, of what God wants to do here. Uh, we believe we're a part of God's mission. We're not on our mission, we're on God's mission. Um, and because of that, we need to be seeking him uh, for every step. So, uh, yeah, so I'm all about it. I'm excited. Speaking of prayer, um, I'm going to pray before we get into the, the message this morning. Lord God, we just come before you, and I thank you, God, for, for stuff like prayer nights and, and, and uh, morning prayer and the different ways that you have stirred people to seek your face. I believe that you are stirring people in this city uh, to seek you. Um, God, I believe that you want to do something here. God, I believe that you're at work, and Lord, I pray that you would help us, Father, uh, to, to be about that, whatever you're calling us to do. Today, as we end our series on flourishing, I pray that, um, God, it wouldn't be just a nice series that came and went, but that we would take something to heart. God, that we would, there'd, be a, there'd be a well that we could, a new well maybe that we could draw from, um, a new truth, a new practice that we um, incorporate into our lives to seek you. That could be prayer. That could be scripture reading. That could be celebration. Whatever we're missing, God, uh, speak to us. And Lord, I just give you permission to be at work today, Holy Spirit, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you guys. Thank you for being here on Labor Day weekend. I want you guys to give yourself a hand for being here on Labor Day weekend. Um, my family's not here, but that's because they're sick, so they have a, an excuse. I don't have a doctor's note, but maybe next time. But I'm really glad you're here, and I'm, I'm excited to, to wrap up this series today uh, that we've been going through all summer. This series has been called Flourish, and what we've been doing is we've been challenging you uh, to incorporate new or maybe um, unused spiritual practices into your life. We've been looking at what does it mean to actually flourish as a Christian? Uh, what does it mean to actually flourish as a follower of Christ? The scripture that this uh, is based on is John 15, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he gives them two choices. Either you remain in me and, and flourish, or you, and be fruitful, or disconnect from me and wither. So you see in John 15, there's this dichotomy of you can have a flourishing life in Christ, or you can wither and dry up and be useless to God. And the premise is that I believe everyone in this room wants to live a fruitful life. Everyone in this room wants to have, have um, the, this, the, the gifts of the Spirit pouring out of you. If you think of the gifts of the Spirit in Galatians 6, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the rest— we want that coming out of us, right? We want the Holy Spirit at work. We want God at work in all of our lives. And so that's the basic premise of this, is how can we remain in Christ and not wither? Not wither away, not become cold or full of doubt or, or, or fearful or just give in to the, the anger in the world, right? 
just the spirit of the world? How instead can we, we be transformed by Christ? And so I would encourage you, there's actually, if, if you go on, the, if you want more, uh, you can go on the ctk.church backslash flourish webpage, and we actually have practices and sermons and little things that you can do to, to put these things into practice. We don't want this to be an aspirational series. Like, we really wanted it to be practical. Like, how could I incorporate more of, of these spiritual practices into our lives? I mentioned these are like wells that we get a drink from. Right? These are like wells. These are ways that we connect with God. Jesus calls himself the living water in John. These are different ways that we connect with God. Um, Glenn Packiam said that spiritual practices are like different wells that we learn to drink from. And sometimes when we're in a, a dry season, we need to learn how to drink from different wells. If you're in a dry season um, and, and you ha aren't incorporating scripture into your life, Maybe learn how to draw from the well of Scripture. Or if you're not praying, if you're not spending time before God in silence and solitude, these are wells that we can draw from to connect with God on a regular basis. And so the well that we're going to talk about today is an interesting one, and hopefully it doesn't make you uncomfortable, but we're going to talk about confession today. Dun, dun, dun. Confession. Confess. Um, what, what comes into your mind when you think about confession? For some people, it might be a hanging singular light bulb in a dark room and, and somebody strapped to a chair and being interrogated and, and somebody telling them, confess, you know. Or maybe you grew up in a, in a Catholic setting and, and the idea of confession is like a confessional booth that you'd actually sit in and share your sins to a, a priest who's on the other side kind of shrouded. I don't know what comes into your mind when you think about confession, um, but it, I, what I want to do today is sort of um, talk about why it's so important and how we can incorporate it into our lives. That it's actually not a scary thing, but it's the very thing that can set us free. Like if we're struggling, confession is a good thing. It's, it's the medicine we need. It's not supposed to be a scary thing. It's not supposed to be intimidating. I'm, I'm not going to make anybody sit in the front this morning and confess uh, anything. There's no interrogation involved this morning. But let's talk about confession. And this is also what I thought. Is I, I thought about confession this week. I thought, man, we need to be a church that's a safe place to confess. That's a safe place to share what we've been struggling with, our burdens, even our hurts. If we're a church that does confession well, that means we need to be a safe place for all of that, right? We need to be a safe place to confess, and we need to respond to confession with the grace and love of Jesus, because that's the way that Jesus responds to us. So let's talk about confession. What is it? So in the New Testament, the Greek word used for confess is the word homo legeo, and it literally means to acknowledge or to agree, means to acknowledge or agree. So it basically means I'm acknowledging that I am a sinner. I, I messed up. I made mistakes. I'm limited. All of those things. It could even be acknowledging that you're hurt. Sometimes, I, I don't know if anybody's like me, but sometimes if, if somebody says something and it, it bugs me for a while, I have trouble acknowledging like, hey, no, actually, uh, 
my feelings were hurt there, right? I think it's because I'm a guy, right? We don't like to admit when we get our feelings hurt. Uh, laugh, guys. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> I'm dying up here. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but we, we, we want to acknowledge when we're, when we're hurt or offended. Uh, we, need to, we need to do that. We need to be open and honest. And that's what confession makes room for. In confession, we acknowledge our limitations and our humanity. Right? Nobody's perfect in here. Nobody's got it all figured out. Confession acknowledges our frail humanity before God. And what we see is that confessing our faults and failures, it is the first step to becoming who God has, wants us to be. Who God, has, uh, God wants us to be more like Jesus, and we can't if we don't agree with him in the, in the ways that we've messed up, in the ways that we've gone astray. And so my hope for us as a church is that this would be a place where, where people can be human. This is a place where people can admit their faults and failures and be received well. Because we're going to look today and see how Jesus responds to our faults and our failures. And my hope is that our church would be a place that matches that, that is filled with the love and grace of Jesus. And I believe that God is leading us and shaping us to be that type of community, right? And we're not finished, but we're in process. If you talk to a lot of people today about the church, they might bring up ways that the, the church has hurt them in the past. And one of the ways could be around this very idea of confession and how it was received. Um, there's an Irish musician named Hozier. He has, I think it's, that's not Hozier. That's like can, the Canadian musician. Maybe it's Hozier. I don't know. I should have like checked it out before. Spelled H-O-Z-I-E-R. Anyway, he has this well-known song called Take Me to Church. And sort of the, the line in there that a lot of people resonate with is, I'll tell you my sins and you can sharpen your knife in the chorus. He's, he's in, this is like his unpacking his church hurt. He says, I'll tell you my sins and you can sharpen your knife. And I wonder how many people that's been their experience with God. When they actually got to a point where they were willing to share, willing to confess, instead of being received in love and grace, they were received in sort of a, a, a righteous religious attitude, a superior, inferior um, attitude, or I admitted my sins and I was received with knives. Maybe not actual knives, but maybe they were cut off from community. You know, maybe they were cut off from, from the very people that they came looking for help. And so I want you to know this morning that if you've experienced that, that's not the way of Jesus. That's not what Jesus was about. That's not how Jesus helped people who came to him looking for help. That is the way of self-righteousness, right? That, well, I've got it figured out, or I've got it figured out more than you do, right? Jesus wants us to acknowledge our sin, not so that he can condemn us, but that he can do some really good stuff in our lives. Um, this is uh, Peter preaching the gospel in Acts 3, and he says, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. I want to focus on those first two. 
This idea of, first of all, repentance is a, it, it literally means to change your mind. To change from thinking, I'm in control, to God's in control. To surrendering your life to God. So, repent, change your mind, turn to God, so what? So that he can condemn you? No, so that your sins can be wiped out. Forgotten, forgiven. The church can't talk enough about forgiveness. It is the primary work of Jesus. Forgiveness. And then, what? Forgiveness and refreshment. He says that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. A refreshing wind may fill your life, that you may be refreshed. If you turn to God, God doesn't want to meet you and deepen your shame. He wants to meet you and forgive you and refresh you. That sounds pretty good. That's good stuff. So when you acknowledge your sin before God, when you practice this every week or every day, he runs towards you. He runs towards you. The picture here is God rushing over you like a mighty wind. Winds of refreshing. And that comes from admitting our weakness before God. So here's my first point as we uh, begin. God meets the act of confession with refreshing grace. God meets, when we confess, he doesn't deepen our shame. He doesn't, he's not cold-shouldered. He's not disappointed. He meets us in that place with refreshing grace. I think some people who've been Christians or been around the church for a long time, they wonder if this refreshing grace has a shelf life, right? Like, well, I'm still struggling with this. Well, God allows us to fail forward when we truly repent. Remember, he told his disciples, don't forgive just once. Forgive how many times? Seventy times seven. Do you think God would say that if he wasn't willing to forgive that many times? Now, God, God wants forgiveness to result in something, right? A changed life. But we are to fail forward. We are to fail forward. And so we can come to this refreshing grace again and again and again. God is the, the image that we have in Luke 15 of a father who's running towards his son who ran away, took half of his dad's money, spent it on booze and sex, and now is stumbling home to just see if he can be a servant in the house. If you know the story of the prodigal son, the dad doesn't march all the way to the house. He runs to him. He puts on the ring and robe, and he, and he throws a party. Like when we acknowledge, God runs, Right? When we acknowledge, like, yeah, I messed up. Like, I need to go home. I need to get right with God. God runs. He doesn't make us jump through a bunch of hoops. Jesus already covered every, every punishment that we should face. Jesus took on the cross. So when you bring your weaknesses before God, he's not waiting there uh, with a cold shoulder or with a silent stare. He doesn't say it's about time or that's a good start. Like he's waiting there with grace, refreshing grace. So that's for you, and that's for others too. So if we, the church, meet people with anything less than refreshing grace when they come and, and, and acknowledge that they need help, we're missing something. We're missing the gospel. We're missing this gospel of refreshing grace. The truth is everybody needs God's refreshing grace. We never graduate out of the grace program. 
we will constantly need it. You will need it till the day you die, right? You will need it till the day you die. You never get to graduate. We're always going to be at a point where, where we need this grace of God. We'll never be able to tell God, thanks, I got it from here, right? I got it now. I'm good. You know, like they're training wheels that never come off, guys. Because if we, if we think we've got it from there, we enter into this zone of self-righteousness, right? If we, if, if we lose our dependence on God and we start becoming dependent on our goodness. And if you, if you spend any time in the book of Romans, you'll see that we aren't good. Like any goodness that we have comes from God. So we've got to go from saying that uh, I am enough to God is enough right? And we've got to be a people that live into this gospel of refreshing grace. That's who God wants us to be. In John three seventeen, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. And guess what? He didn't send us into the world to condemn it either. He sent us into the world to save it, to tell people, hey, there's grace here. I think the problem is sometimes we don't want to open our mouths and tell people where grace can be found because of pressure or whatever. But God has sent us to proclaim and persuade people to, to the grace of Jesus, right? To the gospel of reconciliation that everyone can find grace and forgiveness in him. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do I want to proclaim that? Am I in on that message? And can I live it out? Do I want to own that message? Do I want to be a messenger of the grace of God? And so that's we're here to meet people's struggles with that refreshing grace. But confession is more than that. It's more than just a moment of uh, reckoning with God. Confession is actually a lifestyle. Uh, confession is not something we leave. That's why we're talking about, about it as a spiritual practice. Just like reading scripture or just like prayer, confession is a lifestyle before God. And you could think of it more in terms of living honestly before God. Like, am I really being honest with God about where my heart is? Right? About my thought life? Am I really being honest with God? Am I really being open and vulnerable? with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Or, or am I hiding? See, confession as a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle that's okay with weakness and limitation. It's okay knowing that, hey, I'm going to fail forward, but I get to land on the wide safety net of God's grace. Right? It's a, it's a lifestyle that's okay with that, and it's a lifestyle that's patient with others as they go through that same process. And I'll admit, sometimes as a pastor, I don't like telling people, like, I don't know stuff, right? Or I'm limited. But I have to be okay with that, right? I have limitations. And the longer I pastor here, the more limitations you will see. So. But yes, amen. Thank you, Stephen. Yes. But the good news is I believe in a God who is unlimited, right? He's unlimited. I'm limited. God is unlimited. 
So what confession does, we talked about going deeper. Confession allows you to go deeper, both with God and with each other. Living a lifestyle of confession allows you to go deeper with God and with others. There's no veneer, there's nothing in the way uh, separating you from relationship, right? We like to put some walls up. We like to put a shield up sometimes to cover weakness and different things. But a lifestyle of confession will always lead to deeper relationships. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, uh, you know, over the years that they hate small talk. Has anybody heard that? I hate small talk, right? I don't hate small talk. Like, if you want to talk about sports or the McDonald's going in across town, like, I'm here for you guys. Like, I'm good. I don't, I don't hate small talk. I think, I think small talk has a place, right? Like, I, I'm not someone who will maybe go zero to 60 in a relationship. Like, no, how are you really doing? How's your marriage? Like, you know, like, I, I'll, I'll make that space to, to get to know someone, right? And small talk's okay. It's not, but it's not, it's good as a starting point. It's not where God wants us to end as a community, right? Like, if we want to truly be like a, a deep community, we have to also engage on a deep level, and we have to let people in. We also have to let people see us for who we really are. And that can be scary. We like our veneers. We like, you know, things set up perfectly. I, I totally get that. But if God, if, if we're going to be a deep community, we have to go beyond that. We have to allow people to see us at our worst, right? See us through the struggle. Remind ourselves that, hey, I'm human. They're human. We're all human, right? And what we see in Scripture is that Jesus is the bridge to all of it. Jesus is the bridge to, to all of it, all of our relationships. So we can be a community where, where we can go deep because we're living under the grace of Jesus, right? We don't have to measure up. We don't have to worry about that. We can be real and honest and, 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 and let people in. So here's the flip side of that. If we're a church that's uncomfortable with confession or, or um, bearing our soul to each other, then we won't go deep as a church, right? If we're uncomfortable with that, then we won't go deep. And I desperately want us to be a church that's willing to go deep in community. And in order to do that, we need to get this practice of confession down. And again, what that means in community is being open, honest, and real. Right? When you gather in a home group or whatever, it's not just about what you learn from Scripture, but what you're struggling with, right? Being willing to go there. Here's why confession matters. Confession calls us to live honestly and openly so we might become more like Jesus. Confession is all about discipleship, right? It's letting, it's letting people in, not so that we can experience more shame, but so that Jesus can continue to work through us. In the case of someone else to help me chip away at those gray areas or those blind spots in my life. We all have blind spots. And the thing about blind spots is you can't see them, right? But other people can. And when they're in community, people can, can, uh, people can be honest and point out those blind spots in your life. Like, hey, you know, I, f I, I feel like you're making uh, too light 
of um, like your language or um, hey, you know, I know there, there's some pride in that situation or whatever it is like we can we can point it out or hey, you're not living with enough courage. You know, you're kind of being timid about different things like when you get to know people, you can speak into those things. You can encourage people to be courageous or be humble or whatever the need is, right? Everything in between. And I'll admit, I'll be the first one to admit that sometimes I don't want to do that. I like, sometimes I like this shield up, right? Because it's risky to let people in, right? It's easier to say, I'm doing great, when really, when you say you're doing great, you're feeling overwhelmed and full of doubt and all those different things. Hopefully, I'm not the only one on that. Okay, good. Hey, you guys are honest. Yes. Sweet. But the goal of confession is freedom, right? Freedom in your relationship with God. Freedom in your relationship with others. And and growing more and more into the image of Christ. Because you know what? I bring something different than Justin does, or Brian does, or Elizabeth does, or Tim does. We all bring something different, and we can all be used of God to sharpen each other. And the great news is, is that I also know that Jesus came to save me, not condemn me. That's the great news of the gospel, is that we are here to help build each other up, to, to, to walk with each other when we're down here, and, and watch each other grow. So the main passage I wanted to look at today on this idea of confession is 1 John, 1 John 1, 5 through 10. Um, Here, John really lays out theologically, gives us this great picture of what it looks like to live in an open and honest place before God and others. So we're going to read 1 John 5. It says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So there are some passages of scripture that seem really complicated and this is not one of them. (laughs) Like John makes it really simple here, right? Really simple. God is light. The world's full of darkness When you walk in Jesus, you walk in the light, you leave the darkness. If you say you have no darkness, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you. Like, I love this passage because it's so simple, and it's it's what you need to know about living a life of confession. That we openly and honestly walk in the light. We don't hide things. We don't shield ourselves. We get to live in the light because of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. The cool thing about light is it allows you to see yourself clearly, right? We're not, when, when, when Jesus comes into our lives, he shines light on every part of our, our hearts. He sees everything. And so life is a progression of allowing that light to expose the parts of our life that need to change 
and in confession and repentance and turning to God, we become more and more like Christ. That's discipleship. And the great news is, one of the verses that I absolutely love and is so important in this passage is that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Right? If we walk in an open and honest relationship with God, covered by his grace, then we have fellowship with one another. There is so much anger, disunity, um, fracturing of society right now. If we could be a people focused on the good news and the light of Christ, we could be united by him, and that in and of itself would be a witness to the world of the goodness of God. I honestly think unity in the church is the biggest witness that the world needs to see right now. Right? When you have a world, um, I mean, if you, if you absorb politics at all, if you touch politics with a 10-foot pole, you'll know that we have two sides in this country that hate each other right now, right? Like, it's worse than I've ever seen it. There's so much anger. And I'm not saying we can change all of that. What I am saying is we can change what the dynamic is right here in the church, right? That we could walk in the light we could allow God to form us. We could allow God to shape us. We could be a community that accepts all people and love, grace, and forgiveness, that pushes people to be more and more like Christ. We could be a witness and a prophetic witness to a, a, a world that's fractured and really in disarray right now. We could be that. You know, um, I was looking at, like, in times of chaos in, in the world's history, in times when the Roman Empire was falling apart, and I'm not saying that's where we're at, but hey, we could be, right? Like, I don't know. But when the Roman Empire was falling apart, do you know what role the church played? The church was like the, the community stabilizer. When everything in the world was falling apart in the Roman Empire, the church was the community stabilizer. They were a light in a dark world. Um, they were building schools. They were caring for the sick, the poor, and the widow. They were building cathedrals. Imagine, in the middle of all this chaos, where you've got all these, you know, like the, the typical, like, barbarian hordes and, you know, all this chaos in the world, like, you have groups of people building cathedrals, like, beautiful like spaces for God. We can call that a worship center. And, you know, we've, you know, this is a little too modern here. Maybe we can build a cathedral someday, but um, not in the next two years. But they were building cathedrals. Yeah, it's just not in the budget. Um, we had cathedrals, monasteries. So monasteries, we talked about last week, like after the church became the state religion of, of Rome, some people got together and said, you know what, we're losing some of the sincerity of the church, so we're actually going to build these discipleship centers where we can come together and, and focus on Christ and reach out to our community. It's beautiful, preserve scripture, sharing the hope of Jesus. So in the middle of chaos, the church did not try to control what was going on politically, but they built a beautiful community in spite of it. Right? Where people were unified because they were walking in the light. That's what they wanted. They knew the world was dark through and through. They wanted to be in the light. 
So as we close today, I want to get practical. And so we're going to ask this question. How can we practice confession in a deeper way? That's pretty simple. How can we, what are some steps we can take to practice confession in a deeper way? Things that you can incorporate today, things that you can incorporate this week. And the first one is preach the gospel to yourself daily, right? Don't graduate from the gospel. You are a sinner saved by grace, right? The only good that you have comes from Jesus. We need the cross in front of us. Right? We need to see the, the cost of our sin. Uh, we need to see the love of God, and we need to see the covering of God over our sin every day. If we don't, we're either going to get really, really discouraged, like I'm never going to get this right, or we're going to think too highly of ourselves. Scripture warns about thinking too highly of ourselves. Right? And there's those two dangers. If we don't keep the cross out in front, we either, you know, are really discouraged because we're never measuring up, or we think too highly of ourselves. Either way is, is not a good road. So the second step is to get in an honest and gracious community. That's, that's our, our hope for this church. That's also our hope over this next month. We're going to be talking about home groups. And I can't stress enough how important it is to be connected in consistent community. Right? It might seem like, oh, that's a church thing I, I sign up for. It's actually not. It's actually an invitation to, like, consistent community. I don't know about you, but if I don't schedule it, it's not happening. So, like, take that opportunity to be in a community that you can share deeply with, right? That you can expect to share and be received. Community that knows you, because that's a big part of this. When I talk about confession, I'm not saying share your sins with everybody. No. I'm saying share your sins with people in your life, the Christians in your life that are going to point you towards Christ. So if you do something this week that you feel guilty about, um, we're not going to just have you come up and share it all with everyone. I hope, you know, no confessional booth is going in over here. Um, <clears throat> but we need community. We need people who we can share with. And again, it might be a sin. It might be a wound, Right? It might be a wound, it might be a, a, a grief, it might be any of these things, anything that causes us to, to feel our humanness, we need to be able to share with God's people. So that's one, and, and we'll provide some opportunities for that in coming weeks. And the last thing, and it seems pretty simple, but share the burden on your heart. Let's talk about burdens as we close. What is the burden on your heart? Even today, what I want to do here at the end is I want to want to pray for us. And I also want to say if like if you've got a burden on your heart, that you just raise your hand in church. If you see someone with their hand raised that you would pray for them today. That's how we're going to respond to the message. But we all carry these burdens. And if we carry them too long, they hurt us. And a burden could be a lot of different things. It could be it could be an offense. Somebody hurt your pride. Um, someone was inconsiderate to you. Someone abused you. Um, go and share that burden, right? Go and share that burden. If, if somebody said something to hurt you, get the courage and share that with that person so that, you know what, there's not a cold distance that's forming. There's a relationship reforming. You know, community takes work. It takes ups and downs. It takes uh, conflict. We, we shouldn't be afraid of conflict. 
right? We shouldn't be afraid of conflict. It's how we grow. Um, <clears throat> burden could be a trial in your life. It could be a health scare. It could be a, a, a past trauma. It could be a crisis of doubt that you're struggling with and you, you need people to pray for you. You don't need to fight those battles on your own. It could be financial. It could be a you're concerned about. Like you need to share that so that we can pray and, and walk with you. And if that burden is a, is a burden of shame, my prayer is that this church would be a place where you can bring that and, and be received and loved and experience the grace of God. Because we're all human and we all need the gospel. We all need the good news of Jesus. We never graduate from needing God's grace in our lives. And so my prayer for you is that you would make confession a lifestyle. Think about where the gaps are in your life. Is it a community gap? Do you not have close friends that you can share with or meet with? Like, we want to help you with that. Right? Is it just getting up the courage? Has there been something brewing in your heart and it's left you bitter? You need to ask people to pray for you and, and share that burden. Or is it just shame that you're wrestling with? I would encourage you to share that with God and with safe community. Acknowledge I'm struggling. I don't want to give us an opportunity to do that right now. Um, I'm going to pray. Let's, let's all stand this morning. Um, and, and again, as I pray, if you just want to raise your hand, if there's something on your heart that you want prayer for, um, church, let's, let's pray uh, for, for those people today. Lord God, I just pray over this place this morning. Lord, I, I pray, God, that you would help us to experience your grace in a new way. Lord, that you want to meet us, God, not with condemnation, but with love. Lord, your shoulder is not turned away from us, God, but your posture is open and ready to receive us, Lord. Lord, you have pulled us out of darkness into your marvelous light, it says. And Lord, I pray that you would just allow your light to shine on us this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would allow your light to shine over us, God. That we would walk in the light, that we wouldn't, our relationship with Christ wouldn't be something that we have to manage, um, that wouldn't change depending on who we're talking to. But Lord, that we could walk in the light and live in an open and honest relationship with you and with others. Lord, if we're just lacking a friend right now, Lord, I pray that you would bring that friend. A friend who's going to push us to follow Christ. A friend that's going to meet us in our pain or meet us in our shame and encourage us. And Lord, help us to be that type of community, God. Lord, you love the people in this room. Lord, you love the people in this room. Lord, help us to walk in that love. So, if there's something on your heart this morning and you just would like prayer while Brian's leading us in worship, I just pray that you would raise your hand, even now. And we'll come and, and pray with you. And then uh, we're gonna, Brian's going to wrap us up with a couple songs this morning. But, um, Lord, we just give you today. We give you our lives. 
Lord, help us to live before you and walk in the light, in the freedom that the light gives. In Jesus' name.